0: from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi.
1: I love the smell of napalm in the morning.
0: I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a
1: harumph out of that guy. Just
0: What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms, treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and
2: I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And
0: now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself
1: talk, don't you? Even when you're not Run saying anything.
0: Rocky LaFleur.
2: Yo, you. I
0: Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb.
1: Coons. We're well, raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chase him off with a broom.
2: Welcome to the On the X podcast, powered by desktop.com. I'm J. Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Josh. I'm writing my tail off for the website, Web, and Rocky LaFleur. And later today, we'll also be joined by professional duck guide, Roland Cortez. Josh, Rocky, what's happening, guys?
0: Riding down the road, uh, just probably like you are right now, just burning the I asphalt. i the exact
2: same thing.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sitting in the parking lot uh the home of the best chicken gizzard in the world, double quick.
2: <laughs> yeah. Pretty good livers too. Oh, yeah. While you're eating them, Anything
1: that, you get there little,
2: while you're eating it, you can feel your arteries hardening. And <laughs> a <laughs> little
1: little pack of hot sauce. You know, you get that little pack of hot sauce, the double quick hot sauce. Yeah. Man, that stuff's good on those livers. <laughs> So, no, I, hey, look, I just went and picked up, my boat had to be serviced, so I'm preparing for this weekend, this is our first weekend to start hunting, Um, just went and picked my boat up, go check out a few flooded timber spots, see what what it's holding, and prepare for the ice is coming. Man, it's going to get cold at the end of this week.
0: Yeah, I think
1: a big big
0: majority even all the way down like you said all the way down to us here in the Mississippi Delta is going to definitely see some ice by the time this front you know pushes through.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they revised the forecast a little bit. Earlier in the week they were calling for lows tomorrow night uh in the teens in the Boot Hill and Northwest Tennessee and I'm looking at the weather right now on my phone it looks like overnight low tonight of 31 that's not bad, but then tomorrow night 22 Friday a high of thirty-five. Saturday morning twenty-two again. So uh, we're definitely going to be seeing some ice here in West Tennessee, no doubt about that.
0: Jay Paul, what will you what What do you
1: recommend? What do you put out when when something this cold hits?
2: Um, what do you mean? What do I put out as far as the spread goes? Uh, or, or
1: yeah, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I asked that the wrong way. What do you put out to keep a hole thawed out? What do you do that a listener Uh, to the podcast could do to keep their holes open during a time like this?
2: Well, you know, you've got two or three options. I mean, obviously the most common option right now is the Ice Eater or the Puddle Buster. I personally use Puddle Busters just because uh, they're made here in West Tennessee and they were actually made to keep a hole open. You know, the, the whole concept of the Ice Eater... Um, originally it was made to keep water open around larger boats in the north that are left in the water during the wintertime. So they would freeze in there at the dock and be damaged by the ice. So the original ice eater is made to be suspended underneath the uh, bottom of your boat. And it actually uh, has a motor very similar to a trolling motor with a bigger blade that moves a little bit more water. runs off of 110, and the ice eater was originally made to suspend underneath the hull of the boat and then keep water moving to keep it freezing from around the boat. Now, you know, guys, you know, 10, 12 years ago started adapting them for keeping their hole open during freezing weather like we're about to have, and they work great. Uh, Personally, I like the Puddle Buster better. It's the same concept. It uses a motor similar to a trolling motor, but with the Puddle Buster, it actually comes with an adjustable stand, so you can set it up at an angle. You can set it up to where it's moving water horizontal with the ground instead of pushing it down or pushing it up, and I just like that design a whole lot better.
1: Well, Jay Paul, one of the things that Josh and I brought up yesterday in our Facebook Live migration report with and it's something that's always been real real important to me is is how you break up ice let's say you don't have an ice eater you freeze up overnight you know my best success has come from walking a hole out and then sliding the sheet over do you agree with that because i've I've, when i first started guiding i would just take a four-wheeler out there and run through it break it up and you know you, you can still see chunks, even after you've kicked all the chunks away, sure. which took a lot of time to do. But I've always had my greatest success when I've broken a hole out and slid the whole sheet of ice over. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I definitely do. The problem with that, though, Rocky, sometimes is if the ice isn't thick enough, you really struggle You know, with getting pieces large enough to slide them. And you're, you're dead on right. You go out there with a four-wheeler or with a boat, and you bust it up, uh, what you've got is just a whole bunch of busted up ice and no open water. You know, there are a couple of three ways that, that we deal with that. To go back and answer your question, um, we'll be running ice eaters or podal busters tomorrow night, and uh, I really, really like that concept because you can keep an area open without having a whole lot of broken, busted up ice. Now, on the other hand, a really good option if you're hunting from a boat is to come in, break it up with your boat, then pull the boat up against the blind, uh, put the bow of the boat up against the blind, or, or wedge it up against a tree, and uh, you know, open it up and drive as much as you can, and use that prop wash to open up a hole and push ice out of your hole um, to the greatest degree that you can to provide more open water. If you don't have that luxury, if you're hunting in a field, uh, definitely the best way to do it is if you can break it out in sections and leave large sections of that ice intact. And and I've actually had better luck sliding it under rather than over. I think it doesn't break up as easily if you slide under. Yeah, Rocky, I I 100% agree with that. I think that's one of the best ways to deal with ice.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's sliding it under the other sheet of ice, definitely. Not on top, sliding it under. Um, it looks like the hole stayed open all night. Um, I'm just a believer that if ducks look down on chipped up ice or broken up ice, I, I just think you have a hard time once that sun comes up of getting them into the hole.
2: Yeah, particularly yeah. on a sunny day when it really sparkles.
0: Yeah, and and look, I, I want to point out, too, that that's not as – I mean, it's not necessarily an easy task, but it's not as hard as you think it is either. Um, You know, you got two or three people hunting. You can move some sheets of ice around, you know, pretty easily. That's not like a, you know, too bad of a process to go through. Um, You know, so I don't want to, I want anybody to get discouraged, you know, thinking, well, dang, we don't want to go out there and try to move, you know, move a whole whole pond out of the way or whatever. It's not that bad a process. Um, It just takes, uh, you know, it takes getting there a little earlier a little more preparation before you hunt, but it's, it's not that bad of a deal to do it. Yeah, I I think you definitely,
1: you, you definitely have to plan ahead on a, on a cold, cold night, like we're going to have, you're going to have to plan to be there a little bit early, just like you said, Josh, to, to get that, to get that ice slid over to, you know, sure you have enough time to get all that done that you're going to have to do to the hole once you get there.
2: Rocky, do you ever run ice eaters or polybusters?
1: I do not. I do not. I, I've I've always had my greatest success in you know, even in our fields, the the water is usually deep enough, it'll be eighteen inches deep that it's deep enough that I can break out. I can walk a hole out and then just take I'll take my shins or my right at my knees, right above my knees. I'll just take that whole sheet of ice and slide it under, you know, the the other big sheet of ice. That's how I usually do it. I'll, you know, if I'm in deeper water, I'll just take some waterproof gloves and press down through it, break me a hole, walk a circle out. And then I'll just take that ice and just slide it up under the other piece. But no, I've never run ice eaters.
0: Yeah. How about you, Josh? No, we never have we have used a trolling motor before, um, you know, and and gone in there, you know, real early and, and we busted it out and moved moved it out of the way and then we just kind of strapped the trolling motor to a tree, you know, out to to the side and, and just let it run on low or medium. Um and it you know, and it did fine. Um, but but no, we've never I've never personally run any ice eater or, or puddle bus or anything like that.
2: Well, you know the great thing or the great advantage uh, of the puddle buster or the ice eater is that it actually melts the ice. I mean, it doesn't just it doesn't just break it up and push it out. the The water is going to be warmer down below, obviously, be frozen. Uh, and and so the great thing about using something like a puddle buster or an ice eater is that you don't have all that busted up ice out there because you know it's slowly melting it and you'd be amazed at how quick you can open a hole now the downside of that is you've got to have because it's 110 you've got to have a generator and um unless you've got something like a little honda 1000 that runs really quiet and that you can set off at a distance you can't run it while you're hunting because you're going to flare birds it just creates too much noise but yeah that was the question
0: that that was a question I had about it was because I've never personally dealt with them. I know guys that have, them, but I didn't know how that affected things because you you know they have to have a generator, um. So I I didn't know how that affected it, but I guess if you can if you can set it far enough off, I don't guess it really matters too much.
2: Yeah we, yeah we've got uh, I've got one buddy that I hunt with that has a little Honda one thousand and about a hundred and fifty feet of extension cord, and he sets that little Honda generator you know, about 125 feet behind us in the woods, and the willow's behind his hole, and it doesn't seem to phase the ducks, and he's got a little bit deeper water, and with the puddle buster going, not only does it keep the hole open, but it generates movement and current, uh, you know, similar to a mallard machine on steroids, so it can really get the decoys, you know, dancing around also. But, you know, on the downside of that you gotta have gas for the generator, you've got to have a generator and uh you've got to, to move it out, you know, into the hole. And if you're using an ice heater you've got to have some type of mount uh for it to suspend it in place because obviously you're not hanging it uh by four points off of your boat. You know, so uh it, it is you know, there are challenges that go with it, but definitely um it can be successful. And one of the great things about it, one of the things that I love about hunting, when it gets bitter cold like this, is if you're in an area with ducks and you've got open water, um, and you're in their, their, you know, you're in their path, you're in their flyway, you're in their travel quarters, you're gonna kill birds because they have got to get water.
1: Well, Jay Paul, let me tell you this. Um, before I tell you this, let me—I want to know your prediction. What is your prediction for this weekend? Where where if you had to pick an area of the Central or Mississippi flyways, where do you think the most birds are gonna be taken over the weekend? What's your prediction? With the weather, Austin, you well, know what's coming.
2: Yep. I think uh I think you're gonna do great. I think northern Louisiana, Arkansas, particularly in the south part, um, guys in my area of west tennessee particularly if you're next to a refuge that has water not all of them do although we've had a little bit of rain but i I think the real beneficiaries of this cold weather rocky are going to be the guys down there in the delta and in north louisiana and in arkansas and that part of the mississippi flyway because you guys got a lot more rain uh over the weekend and monday than we got further north the the main band of rain came through your area we were on the northern edge of it. So you got that combination of new water. You're going to have temperatures that are right at freezing, but not far enough below that everything's going to lock up. And I think, guys, uh, in northern Louisiana, parts of Arkansas, particularly southeast, and in the Delta, are going to have a great weekend.
0: So
1: Let, let me tell you this. You probably hadn't watched the, the Facebook Live video yet, Jay Paul, but uh, Josh and I took a little bet.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, we, no, we, I haven't watched. T- that's for sure.
1: And, and listen, if you're right, you're gonna see the most embarrassing thing that a grown man can do in two weeks on Facebook.
0: Well, yeah, but look, <laughs> but uh, look now. Yeah, what am I missing this Facebook line? A, Well, we we agreed to. Uh, you know some of the guys that that are reporting to us for our our reports that where where we you know do them on the live video. Um, several of them are outfitters, so so Rocky and I chose two outfitters each. And uh, and look, Rocky's already trying to change up the rules because because he, he thought he had one over on me, and then he realized right before his podcast that he didn't. So I'm already winning, and he he doesn't like it, so he wanted to change the rules, but
2: but. Uh,
0: <laughs> That so, sounds
2: like that Chevrolet killer. But, one,
0: see, one, one of the guys I chose is up in the northern part of Arkansas and the southern part of Missouri, and another other guy I chose right here in Mississippi Delta. And Rocky said, I cannot believe that you took those guys that far north. And I said, well, that's fine because Mississippi – well, Mississippi opened back up today, but um, Arkansas didn't open back up till Saturday. But per hunter basis – my guys in Missouri are hunting for three solid days and Mississippi before Rocky's guys in Arkansas can even shoot its first bird. So I'm way out ahead of it, even if they do lock up. And then, whatever, we argued about that. And then my guys informed me that uh, that right after, right as soon as they get done hunting today, they're going ahead and cut ice eaters on to make sure they can hunt through the weekend. So I, I'm sitting pretty. Rocky doesn't like it. <laughs> but I'm I'm, I'm I'm sitting pretty. So. All right, so Jay
1: Paul, let me let me tell you who I took. I took Roland and Stuttgart, which Roland them, you know, Roland those guys are going to be right there on that line, I think, of the the hard freeze line. So I think they're going to mm-hmm. be pretty good duck wise. And I took the guys in Southern Arkansas, which is Laguna Outfitters, and I. I wanted to take Texas, but at the time, I, on a Facebook Live video, I wasn't going to look it up on the phone to see if I couldn't remember if Texas was open or not. Come to find out, Texas was open, and I probably would have shifted one of my picks down to South Texas because I think a lot of birds are going to move down there, down, you know, Venice, anywhere along that coastline with this cold front that we've got coming through. So anyway, Jay Paul, I took Stuttgart with Roland, and I took Laguna Outfitters and Chase, Chase Holland, so the deal is whoever wins, whoever guys average the most birds per person wins the bet. Now the loser you. the loser has to perform an embarrassing task in front of a crowd of people and on Facebook Live.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I
1: and
0: look and I am so glad that Rocky is such a Mississippi State fan because y'all are gonna love his outfit in the next live video. It's going to be great. To, it is going to be just the best Mississippi State outfit and cheer you've ever heard come from a grown man. It's, it's going to be great.
2: <laughs> well, you better hope that Roland delivers for you. I just heard him come on board here. Roland, right. welcome to the podcast. What's going on, J-Ball, Rocky? Josh, we, we were just talking about you. And we were making predictions for uh for what's going to happen later this week as the freeze moves in. And uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we do, now that you've joined us, I want to remind everybody that the first half of this podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Hardcore Brands and Hardcore Decoys. Hardcore, makers of some of the most durable and innovative waterfowl products out there. And I want to encourage you to visit the new Hardcore website where there's a link, of course, to the On The X podcast that's hardcore-brands.com. They know it's not easy being hardcore. And speaking of hardcore, uh, Roland, we got you on here now. So Josh and Rocky to bring you up to speed, have a little bet, and they've each picked a couple of outfitters to see which group can kill the most or the best average per person through the next three to four days through, I guess, Friday, Saturday. Um, and Rocky – chose you um he was just asking me where i thought the ducks were going to be killed and rocky you know I, I was mainly relating to mississippi flyway so i'm glad you didn't take anybody in texas uh yeah i, I think they're definitely going to kill a lot of birds in oklahoma and texas also um i talked to brad all and it's looking pretty doggone good for those guys this weekend too. But I was speaking mainly in the Mississippi flyway and Roland, I was saying that I thought that guys next to refuges in the boot Hill in West Tennessee that keep open water are going to do well. But overall you're going to have really good hunter success in central and Southern Arkansas, Louisiana, uh, particularly Northern Louisiana because of the new water and the Mississippi Delta because of the, uh, borderline freezing temperatures and all the rain that they've got. What's your take, Rowan? What do you think?
3: Uh, Jay Paul, there's a lot of ducks, like I said, around the Stuttgart area and even south of here. You know, um, some of the farmers put some uh, boards on their risers and they kind of trapped a little bit of water. So there's a little bit more water in some of these fields, and I'm riding around um, earlier and I'm seeing a lot more ducks and particularly mileage. It looks like we had a pretty good push of mileage with this little bit of cold snapping. I know the coldest part of the weather didn't come yet, so I, I do believe that, you know, we're going to have some more ducks show up tonight, maybe tomorrow, or, or even possibly, you know, over the weekend. T- lots of geese. There's a lot of snow geese coming from the north. I- I'm seeing big V's right now coming down from the north, so it looks like we got a push of snow geese for sure.
1: Hey, hey, Roland, how many how many snow geese do y'all average on a hunt?
3: On a snow goose? uh when, when we do no, caution, no, 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 uh, hold caution.
1: on, hold on, no, y- y'all shoot snow geese when you're out there duck hunting, right?
0: Yeah,
3: but um, Rocky, we don't particularly target them, you know, I mean, if if they come over, we'll shoot them, um, but we don't, we don't particularly set up, you know, uh when we duck hunting for snow geese, you know, most of the geese that we try to kill are, are, are speckled bellies, and we'll put, you know, um full bodies and, you know, floaters out in our decal spreads, you know, to target the speckle bellies, but we do shoot some snow, but, I mean, we don't just kill a bunch of them, you know.
1: Well, I, well, look, when when Josh and I took this bet, there was no, you know, we didn't say it had to be all ducks. We just said birds per person. That's right. So if you shoot specks or snows or whatever while you're duck hunting this weekend, all for it, buddy. So we can average <laughs> about ten per man. So, so
3: what you're saying is it what you're saying is that if I kill 192 snows, that'll count. Yeah. yeah,
0: I
2: love the guy. Uh, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. I'm going to ask call BS on that. Like, hey, I'm, the neutral guy. I'm the neutral guy here in the middle. I don't have a dog in this hunt. And, uh, Josh, I think, once again, Rocky's trying to change the rules on you as you go. No, I'm it not. He's through, He's
0: through a fit today. He's beating his chest a little bit. I'm going to outdo you. I said, that's cool because I'm 100%. And he said, what are you talking about? well, my guy's in Mississippi limited out uh, per man today, and my guy's in Missouri. He said, what are you talking about? I said, hey, we're hunting. I don't know what you're doing, but we're hunting. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, now, hey, yeah, look, Roland, ducks. one thing. Uh, do what now?
2: It's ducks only. For the bet, I say it's ducks only. Everybody in agreement on that?
0: Uh, I'm good, you can't, I'm good you. with it. Because we, we can't, can't kill, kill geese, geese it, it, it. No. We can't even kill geese in Mississippi right now. It's close to the 15th. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. You didn't <laughs> think that I knew that going into all this? I knew <laughs> that going into it.
2: <laughs> now you, man, you are devious and conniving today, Rocky, also. I'm actually
0: impressed. Well, but... but, but Go ahead. He listen. He
1: better hope his guys pulls him through because J. Paul he is going to be dressed in holiday in the holiday spirit at the Walmart checkout stands in Greenwood, Mississippi, for anybody that wants to come watch, and he's going to sing Christmas carols huh. until he can get at least five people to join in with him. That's my punishment. <laughs>
0: I gotta bring
2: a video camera for that. one. Uh, I mean, it could be worse, uh, though. I mean, it could be a French maid outfit. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's a mental picture uh, I can live. I can uh, all right, so it's so so. What days are we on? I mean, what days are we talking about? Does this Well, are you asking Rocky awesome? or who are you asking?
0: Because Rocky will change I, it.
2: I think ground rules need to be laid right now, so we're all on the same page in this.
0: I, I said
1: weekend. I said over the weekend and birds per person. Now, if Josh wants to classify Wednesday as the weekend,
0: you uh, said at the end of this
2: split. Hey, hey! I'll tell you <laughs> what. Let's do. No, no. I'll tell you what. Unless there's an argument from you two. Once again, as the as the moderator here, the the neutral guy in the middle. Let's because we're talking about ice, okay? And how they're going to react and how we're going to deal with that. Let's call it Friday and Saturday. Those two days, because those are the ones that are going to be most impacted by the overnight lows. Would you agree with that, Roland?
1: Yes, you're right, there.
2: Rocky, are you good with it?
1: I'm good with that. Friday, right, and Saturday. You, okay. Friday,
0: Saturday. <laughs> mm, okay. Friday, and
2: Saturday. And then we'll we right. record again on Sunday and figure out. Just exactly how this worked out. Hey,
0: I, 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 I can't. I, I can remember the last the last true diehard old Ole Miss Rebel fan I saw, sing the Mississippi State fight song. But I'm looking forward to this one because it's gonna be it, it's gonna be great to see Rocky do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking of you in a tuxedo t-shirt instead of holiday gear.
1: I think that I'm gonna dress you up in a
0: tuxedo t-shirt to do this thing. <laughs> Well, all right, well, well, oh, I well, can't we can argue all day. But let's get rolling. We we do want to talk about specs, though. Seriously, we want to get into spec hunting, um, because uh, y'all kill a good many of them, and y'all go after specs, you no, know, uh, especially with Arkansas has been in a split. Um, y'all y'all <laughs> gone after specs, and uh, so what? Uh, has the, I know, the spec hunting's been pretty consistent through the season uh, in Arkansas and Louisiana, to our understanding. Yeah,
3: it's it's been pretty good. I mean, for some reason, it seems that you know, Arkansas itself, the Grand Prairie region, and uh, even towards you know Jonesboro, it seems more and more speckle bellies are, are staying you know in Arkansas, and and we do have some making it to Louisiana, which we you know, but for some reason, <clears throat> there's a lot more concentrations of uh, speckle bellies in the Grand Prairie region. So, a lot of people are starting to take advantage of it, you know. And then plus Arkansas, we can kill three specks, and Louisiana, we can kill two.
1: And Roland, you're one of the most hardcore spec hunters and one of the best spec hunters that I know of. I mean, you do an unbelievable job at harvesting specs. There's there's decoying, there's calling, but, you know, first and foremost, there's scouting. Can you give us, the Roland Cortez, secret tips to scouting specs? What, what are you looking for when you're riding around looking, you know, for where you're going to hunt the next day, you know, when you're spec hunting?
3: Well, you know, uh, Rocky, I'm looking for, you know, I'm trying to pinpoint where the majority of the geese are hitting uh, a certain field. So, you know, I try to scout as much as possible, you know, at different in the morning in the afternoon to try to figure out where all my specs are going, what particular field. You know, they might want beans, they might want rice, they might want a dry field, or they might want some water. So we do a lot of scouting here. You know, we've got a lot of acres to cover, uh, pretty much Arkansas County a good bit of land. So we got to scout a lot. And if I'm not running around scouting, you know, we have somebody else that, that pretty much kind of rides and it kind of tells me what, what he's seeing in that field. But I, but preferably, like I said, I like to see exactly what field the specs are hitting and seeing if there's some type of place to hide, maybe a, a a bar ditch bank or a type of levee. But sometimes the geese don't want to get close to, you know, a tree line. So we have to set up in the middle of a field and, you know, that's a, Something that we have to do too, you know,
1: Roland, is there a certain number of geese that you're looking for in a spot before you'll hunt it, but you know what's what's a a good huntable number of specks before you'll hunt a field?
3: well, you know uh, growing up you know hunting specks in South Louisiana and then coming up to arkansas it, it's 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 different, you know up here, specks are in in big bunches. So, you know, most of the time when you're going to see a field up here, there's hundreds of specks. So it, it, it they're a little bit different to hunt up here than what I'm used to hunting in Louisiana because back home I can get away with, you know, a handful of decals. Up here I have to use a bunch. So but going, going back to your question, I like to see at least a couple hundred, and I also like to see my specs in family groups. I don't want to see them just all bunched up in one big pile. I like to see them in little family groups. And then that's going to take me, you know, take us to another question on on setting up on. Them.
0: Yeah, I've heard something like that before. Uh, Roland talk about that is when you're watching, you know, a spot where specs are is you, particularly you want to see them when they're when they're leaving out to go to roost in the afternoons. Uh, you, you kind of want to find the area where they're leaving out in pairs or in five and six versus one big wide, get up and leave all together. Is that is that right? Is that what you're saying on that? Is you want it to where that way you can kind of base your hunt the next day on, you know, the geese should come back in pretty steady groups versus just two or three big, big, huge wides. Is that, is that what you're getting at?
3: Right. You know, I'm going to watch them and then, I'm going to watch them leave, especially if, if I'm putting them, you know, letting them roost. I'm going to go to the field they were feeding in, and I'm going to put some type of marker so when I get there the next morning, that's exactly where the geese left from. And, and you know, nine out of ten, they'll come back to the same place to finish feeding that, that morning. But preferably, I'd like to see geese come back little bunches at a time. I don't want to see them just come in one big bunch because they're, they're, hard, you know, they're hard to work in big bunches. i like to see them come in ones and twos, come back to that field
2: let me ask you this rowan how much when you're out there spec hunting do you utilize flags how much flagging do you do if any
3: it, you know i we don't use much flagging in it and and I, I don't know why i guess i've never really tried it um it works on canada geese and uh you know it's going i've never really tried a flag you know but i'm glad you brought it up because i'm gonna try it tomorrow. <laughs> Because well, that's, I something, that's something
0: that I've, uh, that I've actually uh, been wanting to do more. I hunt specs a good bit down here in Mississippi, and that's, somebody asked me that question too, J. Paul, and I said, well, we we never have, but that's something I'm going to start doing. I don't see why it would not help. It wouldn't hurt. Uh, I don't get No, I'm gonna, But, but I, I'm with uh, I'm going to find out. <laughs> well,
3: you're right, J. Paul. I'm glad you brought that up because i got a spec hunt tomorrow afternoon, and I'm going to have a flag with me to try. <laughs> Let anything, us know how that anything, turns
2: out for you. Anything to help,
3: you know, I mean, because if there's no type of wind, you know, and, and that flag looks just like a goose coming, landing in the spread.
2: Well, you know, I well, was I'm, hunting over the weekend in the Boot Hill of Missouri, and we killed quite a few specks, um, and the guys that I, I was hunting with, there were four of us, and uh, there were two guys kind of toward each end of our, our group that. Uh, if they were out there a little bit, um, they would do a little bit of flagging. And it seemed to be really, I mean, we killed several birds. Of course, the young man I was hunting with, um, Grayson Smith, is a heck of a speckle-bellied goose caller, but he was really good at finishing them. But it seemed like the flags really did a good job of, of getting their attention along with the calling and getting them initially interested so so good calling could finish them. And it was something that I, I ask you this because I've done it for snow geese, I've done it for Canada's. Um, up until last week, I really hadn't experimented with flagging for speckle bellies, but it seemed to be very effective at at least getting their attention. So I'd like to hear how it turns out for you tomorrow.
3: Oh, I'll definitely, I'll let y'all know for sure.
2: Tell me this, Roland. We were talking before you got on here about ice. Um, how do you you'll be duck hunting the next couple of mornings i know in speckle belly hunting in the afternoon how do you what do you do when it starts to get down in the low 20s and the field starts to freeze
3: well you know rocky when, when uh either we'll bust it you know with the bike or you know we bought some ice eaters and we'll we'll drop them in there and we'll run the ice eater all night depending on how cold it's going to get but i think we're going to be in the the low 20s to maybe in the upper teens, so I got a feeling we'll be running ice eaters on our pits this weekend. But we also, when it gets really cold, um, J. Paul, we have a creek, a buckbrush creek that's, you know, about two foot deep, and it's got to get pretty cold to freeze it. So nine out of ten, if it gets that cold, we're going to hunt this buckbrush creek, and all these fields are going to freeze up. Them ducks are going to go straight to that creek. does
0: does Does it have sufficient water in it? to be able to hunt it this week with the ice? Yeah, I mean, uh,
3: we got about an inch and a half of rain, uh, I think, over the weekend. Um, so it, it brought the creek up maybe a foot. So we're looking at about maybe two and a half feet in some places. So, yeah, I think we got enough to hold off from not freezing, you know, with 20-degree with 20 20 degree weather. But if it gets any colder than that, you know, then I'm going to start to worry. I might have to put my ice eater in there too. So we, we're going to be watching that creek too because I've seen it freeze before.
2: Does it have current?
3: No, it has no current. They call call it a creek up here, Rocky, but to me, it's like a little, I call it a swamp or a bayou, you know?
1: Well, Roland, um, getting back to, going back to the speckle belly hunting, you know, for the guys that that don't have ducks and they, but they do have geese, usually have a lot of geese around. What and 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 I and I hope that they learn a good bit about speckle belly hunting from this podcast. But what is how do you set your decoys? What what is something that that you do to make sure your spread looks good that you know the specks will come into it? And, and can you teach the guys that's listening? about that spread that you're going to put out.
3: Yeah, I mean, what I do is, uh, Rocky, I try to watch the geese, you know, watch them as they're feeding. That way there I can kind of, when I set up my spread, I want to simulate what I've seen. So if if they're in one big bunch, I'm going to bunch them up. But a lot of times these speckle bellies will be in little family groups. You'll have three or four here, three or four there, and then three or four maybe to the left or to the right. So what I try to do is when I'm setting up, Try to set up exactly, and I leave a kill hole where I want my geese to land right in front of my hunters. So I'm going to put some to the some family groups off to my left, and then I'll put the same amount, you know, family groups off to my right. And then I'll just stage them out, you know, a, um, a couple feet away from them, from each other. And I might put three, three, four, five here. Walk a little bit further, put three or four or five here, and then try to put them in little family groups. That way, there it, it looks exactly. That's what I seen the day before. So I try to match my spread to what I seen.
1: So what you're saying, you even and try to match it in the numbers wise also.
3: Correct. If if I see, you know, um a hundred specs, I'm gonna try you know, I'm gonna try to simulate that. You know, but uh, I normally hunt anywhere from from, from forty eight, you know, decoys to maybe twelve dozen full body. So it kind of depends. You know, it, I kind of let the geese tell me how many to put out. So if, if I see 100, I might not exactly put out 100, but I'm going to put, you know, 48, maybe 50, 60 decoys. But if if there's a lot of specs in this field, then I'm going to run all 12 dozen.
2: Yeah, I guess it's Bro, because you're, you're... – Sorry, Rocky, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead, Jay Paul.
2: You know it seems to me that makes a lot of sense I mean from a common sense because your rationale's gotta be you know if they're in family groups there uh they're gonna they're gonna go out uh in smaller groups and not necessarily as a wad like they would if they're all bunched up. so when they're on their way back in, you know if there've been a couple hundred there when they come back in, that's what they're expecting to see is something similar to the numbers that that they were bunched up with in that field before. Is that your rationale behind that, Rowland?
3: Yeah, and that's pretty much. I kind of want, I kind of want to. Like I said, when they come back to this same field, I want them. I want the same, pretty much the same number of, of, of decoys. Now, I might have to tone back, you know, slim back a little bit later on in the year. But as long as I'm seeing a good number of speckle bellies in this field, that that's what I'm going to try to run. So if there's little bunches coming in here, a hundred, I'm going to put. I'm going to try to get simulate that. But if there's more. Then I'll put out you know, twelve dozen. So that that's exactly what I'm trying to simulate,
1: uh, J Paul.
2: Gotcha. That's great information.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking about this. You know, those speckle bellies, they get up and come back to that hole in the morning and say, Hey, didn't we roost with Larry last night? He's already back, I thought he was leaving behind us. Yeah, he done
3: he, he done <laughs> beat us he done beat us this morning.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, hey oh, Roland, Lord. I was going to ask you this: What is it a particular day that speck hunting's better than the other? Do you like a sunny day? Do you like a, a cloudy, overcast day? What What do you like when you're speck hunting? <laughs> my perfect
3: my my perfect day of speck hunting, Rocky, would be you know, a nice, sunny, you know, bluebird day. My son's coming back. I got about five to ten, you know, miles an hour wind. That's the perfect day. To, that's my perfect day to speckle belly hunting. When you give me a day like that, I could I could kill a
2: bunch.
1: Jake Paul, I hear what? you laughing. Just go ahead and say <laughs> it.
2: Well, I was laughing because you said, so is there is there one day that's better than another to spec hunt? And I'm thinking, yeah, the third Tuesday of every month when they're in season, what kind of stupid question is that? But then when you, yeah. when you qualified it a little bit, asked about sun or wind or whatever, I went, oh, okay, yeah, that that makes a little bit more sense. So I'm thinking, what, like Wednesdays and Thursdays are better than Saturdays? Yeah. I don't know.
0: I, 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 generally, I generally push for January the 8th, but if I can't get it, <laughs> you know, I'll take yeah. Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh, man, Roland! I'm sorry, these guys aren't right. But, uh, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> man. Hey, do I... Go ahead, Roland. Hey, I don't, I don't
0: one know of, one I don't of know the requirements
2: hear,
1: was one of the requirements oh. was for Roland to bring a call today. I'm sorry, Roland. Did did you happen to bring a call with you? You got a spec call with I you did. in the truck? I
3: did, but I I stepped outside the truck, and I didn't know if y'all could hear it, but right now there's tons of geese coming out of the north. I just had a big wad of speckled bellies as I I stepped out of the truck. I I didn't know if y'all could hear them or not, but like I said, right now I'm looking due north, and there's lots of geese coming from the north right now, a lot of high birds and then a lot of low birds too.
2: Well, talk to them. Let's hear you.
3: Well, I got to walk back to my truck to get my call now. (laughs) But... uh. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did bring a call and like I said I might have to put my phone down, you know, um to do it, but
2: What kind of call do you blow, Roland?
3: I blow uh, a Reisland, Yeah, I blow a Riceland custom call which is made from uh made from Bell City, Louisiana. Have you tried yeah, it? Those... I I have I have tried others, um, you know, Rocky but um Bill Bill Daniels and uh James Myers, you know, they're world champion speckle belly callers from Louisiana, and their, you know, their calls have won probably more world champion speckle belly contests than any call ever made, and then plus, you know, these guys are, are real. That's what they do. They spec hunt for a living, and they kill tons of specks with their calls. So, you know, if, if you're going to pick a call, you know, you try to get a call that, you know, sounds really good, and then, you know, guys that, that use them kill geese, and then, you know, they pretty much got the world championship covered up when it comes to, you know, speckle belly calling.
2: What about you, Rocky? Do you blow a spec call?
1: I have a Reisland call, and, I mean, that's what everybody has recommended to me. And, I I mean, by any means, we're – well, I guess we are recommending them. But, you know, that's what <laughs> everybody has told me to blow, and I went and bought one, and I love it.
2: What about you, Josh?
0: I don't have a Reisland. Um I'm sitting here trying to dig mine out of the truck, but I think I left at the house. Um, it's not a riceland, but it's not because I chose not to have one. I just haven't, and haven't ever had my hands on one. Um, but it is from a place down in Louisiana. I remember that because uh, the guy who got it for me. Uh, I just know it's not a riceland, But, uh, yeah, but that's, like I said, it's nothing against a riceland at all because I've heard nothing but good things you know, about them.
3: If, if I had to guess, Josh, which call, I, I bet you you got a shankai
0: I can't remember what I had to look. I'm, I'm pulling in the house here in a minute. And I'll have to look. Um, but uh, I've yeah. had it for a long time, and a guy a guy got it for me from Louisiana, and that that's literally yeah, all I remember. I got a about feeling, it. and I just like it because I, I don't have it. Doesn't take much air, uh, and that's why I liked it when I first started it might, Yeah,
3: it might not be a shankai, but uh, if if you're familiar with what spec the shankai has been around since probably the early fifties.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know. um Melvin Solvers, you know, he's the one that kind of came up with the I guess you can want to say with a with the spec call because he, you know, he he was taking PS predator calls and putting um a comb I guess the widest part of the comb, he was making hard rubber reeds with them and he's kind of the one that I guess I want to say started the the, the spec the, the making
2: spec calls, you know. Yeah, and there are two or three really nice models out there. I like the Riceland. I've uh, blown one. I don't own one. I like it. I, I blow a, a Hayes. Uh, Bob Hayes makes a really nice speckle belly call. And a lot of guys around here really, really like the Red Bone, And I think they're very, very easy to blow.
3: Well, and, and, you know, going back, you know, talking about speckles, yeah. I mean, right now, the, the like I said, I blow a Riceland, but a Red Bone. Has won just as many world championships, just about as a rifling. So, on top of the ladder, red bone and rifle are on top. So, a lot of people that hunt speckle bellies, a lot, you know, that's pretty much what they blow. And the reason, and the reason why I think is because they're easier to blow. You now they're bigger bore calls. You know, five eight bores, three quarter inch bores, and it takes very little air pressure to blow one. So, um, a, a lot. I think a lot of people are going to them.
2: Sure. Well, if you got back to your truck?
3: Well, I'm ready. If you if you let me put if we let me put this phone down, I'll I'll try to sim I'll try to simulate a speckle belly. Let's hear it, brother.
2: Bring it up. All right. Did y'all catch it off? Man, that sounded great, Roland. I was looking but, out the um, window to see where the birds were coming from.
1: Yeah, it I had to watch. Sounded, cause I, it sounded great through the phone, coming I through mean, the phone. Did.
2: I am damned impressed, brother.
1: I
3: had to watch because I had some trying to land right here while I was
2: at. I didn't have my gun. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, listen, we're but, not
2: going to keep you any longer then. It sounds like you need no, to
1: No, no, we, we
3: good. I uh, there's so much we could cover here on on speckle, but I don't know how far y'all wanted to go with it. You know.
1: Well, I've got one more question for you, Roland. You know, you talk about calling ducks, and you know, you want to in in the calling duck world, you want to use a call to get their attention. Then, you know, when they start working in, your 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 call changes as they come in, get softer and softer the closer they get. You're watching that front bird. Is it the same way in calling specs?
3: Yeah, correct, Rocky. What you want? You know, a, a speckle belly. He'll make, you know, pretty much three sounds. He'll make a, a single yodel, a double yodel. Then you'll hear him do a triple yodel. So, and most of the and a lot of times when when you're working specs, whatever that specs, you know, doing to you. If he's doing a two note yodel, you're gonna you want to respond back to that same yodel. So if he's doing little, little little, you know, you're gonna go back to him. You're gonna talk, you know. And it wow. doesn't matter if it's That's- if it's one. If it's one speck or five specks, there's one speck in there that you're talking to, so you want to focus on that one speck because that's the one that's going to steer the flock to you.
2: That's pretty Basically, cool information. You want to carry on a conversation, pick one bird and carry on a conversation with that bird and, and let him be the leader, and you talk him into coming and the others are going to follow.
3: Yep, and and um, and that's pretty much what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do, you know, because there's one bird in there that will be, you know, doing a, a, a you know a double yodel or a triple, and that's the one that you want to go back to. So whatever that bird's telling you that he's calling back, that's what you want to do. So you want to keep that conversation with that goose as much as possible. You know? And and if he's going little little, you're going to go right back to him little, little 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 little. And whatever that goose is doing, calling back to you, that's what you try to simulate.
2: That's great info.
1: Yeah, that is really yeah. cool, input. Now, uh,
3: And then once, you know, uh once you get that goose on that line, you know, um we, we do what's called a, a ground murmur, you know, and which is a sounds like a, a bunch of geese feeding. And then once you get, you know, they they'll respond to that yodel, but sometimes they'll just respond to that that murmur, you know, that moan. And a lot and a lot of times up here, you can kill geese with not even yodel at them and just and just murmur. Cool. And you'll hear it if, if you listen to enough speckle bellies. You'll hear that grout, You'll hear that murmur. I'm, I'm saying, you know, especially if there's a lot of them. Man, it sounds. It it just sounds, you know, like sounds like a herd of cattle.
2: Yeah, they definitely make a lot of noise.
3: hmm But uh, um, like I said, but most days you can you can kill them with a like I said a, a double yodel or or a triple yodel. Oh. Cool.
2: Man, we've really enjoyed having you again on here, Roland. You always bring a great deal of information to us. And, uh, you know, I think that I'm going to get out there this afternoon. I'm going to be at the farm and try for the next hour or so to do a little bit of spec hunting myself and uh, pick one out to carry on a conversation with. Uh, Rocky, before we close, uh, Hold on, hold
1: on. Are you? you joking? We started this podcast. Hey, hey, we got to keep this thing short. i got an appointment i got to be at. So that's your appointment? Well your appointment with a speckle belly.
2: <laughs> I didn't say what kind of appointment it was. I have an appointment with a duck or a goose this afternoon.
0: You're sorry, look, sucker. Look,
2: we've been on here for almost an hour now, so you can't say that I haven't went above and beyond because we had a great subject and a great guest. Heck, I I could listen to Roland talk about this all day because I learned some stuff from him every time that he's on here. But, uh, yeah, guys, I'm pulling in, and uh, the wind's blowing. I see birds in there. Roland got me excited while ago, So I think it's time for us to close this thing down so I can go kill a goose. But before I do, Rocky, I think we've already lost Josh. You got any parting thoughts for us, Rock?
1: Yeah, I, look, I agree with you, Jay Paul. I mean, it's unbelievable the information that Roland brings when he comes on this podcast. Now, if you go back a couple of months, Roland was on the podcast with us back in October talking about cut-down calling, and as much as you learned about spec hunting today, you should go back and listen to that podcast about cut-down calling. But Roland, thank Amen. you again for joining us, and uh, we, we appreciate you joining the next podcast because you always bring loads of information.
3: Jay Paul, Rocky, Josh, I appreciate y'all having me on here.
2: <laughs> oh, it's always our pleasure, buddy. And, and you know, we're gonna be talking to you again, of course, over the weekend because we got to figure out whether Rocky is gonna be seeing Mississippi
0: State football. going <laughs> <We gonna, laughs> I'm, John... I'm
3: gonna try my. I'm gonna try my best, Rocky. I, I wish we'd have went with the geese deal, cause man, I could have I could have probably killed two hundred snows. <laughs> <laughs> But what, but what, yeah. what on my on, on my closing thought, I don't know if I got the text about my my three squirrels and a rabbit. But y'all know what's for supper tonight, right?
2: <laughs>
3: no, I did smothered smothered squirrels and a smothered rabbit tonight's so what's for supper at the duck game.
2: Oh man, wish I was gonna be there. All right, guys, I gotta load my shotgun. I can't watch these birds I keep piling <laughs> the field without getting my butt out there. I got two hours of legal shooting time left. Rocky Roland, I hope you guys have a great day. We will be back Sunday recording for airing Monday to find out who the winner of the Big Bet is. And hope you guys will all come back and listen to that next edition and hope you've enjoyed this edition of the On The X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com.